so this is kind of, we kind of had, everybody told me that we would have like um, false spring. Is that what we kind of had? And then we had the, the winter came back and, uh, and then they said there's a season called tornadoes. Is that right? <laughs> kind of, yeah. So uh, if, if you don't know, I'm new to Kansas, so I'm, I'm still learning the, the scene. Hey, besides the announcements that Kelsey did, here are uh, a couple of other things. Next Sunday... Uh, you want to be here, okay? So uh, Bubba Justice, like who wouldn't want that name? Bubba Justice, right? I, I wish I had that name. Um, but so Bubba is the national coordinator for the Vineyard USA. Uh, so uh, it's great to have him. He's coming in town for a conference. So he'll, he'll be speaking next week here. Uh, it, it, uh, at Vineyard. So that's exciting. So come next week and hear him and, and let's give him a big Kansas City welcome. Hey, let's pray as we get started this morning. Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for um, your great love for us. And uh, we also thank you for your word, uh, which speaks to us and um, is able to reach the real us. And that's what we want this morning. We want to um, know that when we walk out of here that we've met with you. And so would you speak, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Uh, would you um, would you show us what we need today, each one of us, God, in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So, uh, one of the biggest difficulties in life, uh, I think, is uh, when we have to deal with reality, uh, because one of the things we love as kids is, is imagination, right? Uh, and we want to keep that going as adults. But sometimes when there's reality in life, we, we kind of want to create another scenario and we don't want to deal with it. Um, like even things that we really want in life, sometimes when reality comes, we, we kind of you know, push it away. Like, is this really happening? I know when Michelle and I, uh, we, we wanted to have kids. And so um, uh, she was uh, pregnant with our oldest, Wyatt. And uh, we went and registered at Baby R- Babies R Us, and you get the, I probably have an app or something now, but you had the gun back then. You, you scan all this stuff to, for the baby shower, and we're sitting there registering, and it's what we've called the Babies R Us meltdown. And so I sat there in this moment, and I said, I said, hey, I got a question, because we're getting all these blankets and onesies, and you got to have layers and this stuff. And I said, listen, I hope you know the answer to this. I'm, I'm sure you do. Uh, and I said, I said, how do we know if they're too hot or cold, like the baby? And, and for whatever reason, the pressure, she just said, I don't know. And, and it's like, well, they don't have like a button that pops out or something like too hot, too cold. And, and so, so I'm sitting there and I, I just completely, you know, the brain fog comes in and, and we just, we melted down that day. And uh, what makes it worse is that I had just had a dream about, Wyatt being born, and the problem was is that he was just an absolutely perfect baby, but the problem is he was a lizard so in the dream. So, so I've got this, like, my son's going to be a lizard. I've got, you know, how do we know to care for them? And, and once we got, all of you were saying, like, well, they just cry, or they tell you, duh. But at the time, it, it just wasn't working uh, real well. And so sometimes we have reality that hits us, and, and it, it's just in our face, and like, oh, this is wonderful, but this is, this is also a big thing. Well, there's also another reality as worshipers of God. 
And that reality is, is that if we're worshipers of God, then we're rescuers of people. You can't separate the two. So if you're a worshiper of God today, you're a rescuer of people. Uh, people that are lost. Uh, those that are so valued and loved by God, yet they have not received his love. You're a rescuer of those people. Uh, the least, the poor, the fatherless, the widowed, you're a rescuer of those people if you're a worshiper of God. And then the last, the underdog, the ones that don't fit in, the one that is completely different, rejected by society, abandoned, you are a rescuer of, of those people. That's part of your job description if you're a worshiper of God. So now there's many barriers, though, right, to rescuing people. That's where the reality hits us, and, and we have meltdowns, and we say, wait a minute, I'm good, like, going to you know, uh, to a service and worshiping and, and doing some things and serving and giving some. But, but now when I have to really interact with a real person, like when I met Wyatt, first night we had him on our own. First night, the nurses helped out. The second night, right? Wyatt's in my face. They taught us how to swaddle and do this thing with the thing. And, and so I'm sitting there, I'm like, he starts crying and Michelle's resting. And I'm like, I got this. So, He's screaming and stuff, and I'm doing this thing, and, and he just keeps screaming, and I'm like, you do it. I can't do this dad stuff. And I get on the bed, no joke, in a fetal position and like weep. I'm like, I can't do this, okay? So I know you don't have much confidence in me right now, but this is going to be good. So when reality comes right in there, what about people? Like, sure, I'm a rescuer of people, but when those real people get in our face, it's messy. So with the lost, so we have the fear of looking stupid, not saying the right thing, not wanting to offend, idea that it's the pastor's job to reach people, maybe not my job. Uh, What about the least? Fear of being taken advantage of sometimes. If I help others, will I have enough? And what about time? I don't have time, right? It's just enough for me to to kind of do the basics, and now you want me to, to reach some people that really need help. And then also there's the last. So fear of being associated with groups that differ from you, right? Uh, it comes back like when we were in middle school, right? They're like, well, oh, you're friends with them. Or, you know, and, and people point, oh, so are you, are you one of them now? And that whole thing. You know, people that differ politically, religious beliefs, um, uh, fear of being judged by those that judge those people. Pressure, right? And yet when we look at Jesus... He totally like busts through all of those things. He absolutely just, just completely just does all of those things. And guess what? He totally looks stupid to the people. Like they looked at him and said, what is he doing? He's, he's crossing these boundaries and he's not going by the religious norms and the social norms. And he would talk to the lepers and touch the lepers. And he would, he would be with the worst of sinners and have parties with them and, and all sorts of things. That's the picture that we see in the Gospels. And so these barriers are there, but there's, there's, there's one time recorded in John chapter 4 that I want to focus in on today as far as this. And so um, John chapter 4, verse 1 through 19, I'm just going to summarize that part a little bit for us, and then we'll read the latter part. So um, it, it was told that uh, some of the Pharisees were upset because they were baptizing more people than John. So there was this big thing, right? John was baptizing people at the, at the Jordan, and, and, and they ended up arresting him and, and all sorts of things. 
But then Jesus was told that he was baptizing people, but it wasn't him, it was his disciples. So there's pressure. And so Jesus, uh, actually, it says that he, he left there and had to go through Samaria. And that was the shortest route between Samaria and, and I mean, b- b- where he was and where he was going. But the Jews, good Jews, wouldn't go that way. They would go a much longer way around because they wouldn't have to deal with the Samaritans. Because the Samaritans were, they viewed them as half-breeds, they religiously and, and also uh, genealogically, uh, and all sorts of things. The, the Samaritans were a mix of the people that were left behind by the Babylonians during, uh, during the captivity, because they were the lowest class of the people. And then they, they intermarried with the other people that were there that weren't Jewish, and then they had all sorts of different ways that they worshipped Yahweh. And so Jesus, though, says, you know, I've got to go there. So he, so he sits down. It's about noon. His disciples go into town to buy food. And he sits down at noon. It's very hot, very hot. And then all of a sudden, this woman comes up. And this woman's all by herself. So right away, something's different. She is an outcast. She's somebody else. So she sits down, and Jesus says to her, he says, hey, you know, would you give me a drink? And in other words, he's asking, will you give me a drink out of your cup? Like your cup, what you have, would you give me a drink out of that? Can I drink out of that? And she says, she says you know, you a Jew? Ask me a Samaritan for, for a drink? I mean, you, you don't even socialize with us. And then Jesus says to her, he says, if you knew who it was that asked you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink and he would give you living water that you'd never have to thirst again. And so she pulls back and pulls a card, and she says, you know, are you greater than our, our, our ancestors? Are you greater than Jacob who put this well in? And in the midst of that, you know, they, she starts to end up talking religiously. And, and, but what Jesus does, though, is then Jesus ends up reading her mail. And he starts saying, like, hey, this is what's really going on, Okay. And then when we get down to that issue, things start getting focused on worship. And that's where we pick it up in verse 20. It says, this is what she says to him. She says, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus would share something and then she would defer, defer to religion or defer to, hey, that's cool. Everything that you're saying, all this stuff about, you know, where you're going to worship and these things. But listen, I know an authority greater than you is coming. And so before it was Jacob, are you greater than him? Now it's, and then Jesus says, hello, your worst nightmare, right? Not in a bad way, but like, it's me. I'm here speaking to you. And so what does Jesus lay out? Well, first of all, um, what we see here is through Jesus, worship happens without, without walls, okay? 
Worship happens without walls. She's trying to put it into this place like this is the right place to worship. You Jews think it's here. Who really knows? Oy vey. You know, what are we going to do? But really what Jesus does is he goes to a much bigger picture of the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God is the reign and rule of God. And so it's not held in by a place. We talked last week that even though the temple was built and God gave instructions by it, we actually know that God was never meant to be put in a building. That The only reason this building is holy is because the holy people are here. The set-apart people are here. That's what makes it holy. That's what makes it God's house is the people of God gather there. And so Jesus brings in this picture when he, when he talks about like, hey, look, a time is coming where the worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. You won't say I worship here or there, but we'll be here. And so the bigger picture comes in. And so then also, too, what we see here is that we see through Jesus, worship is my whole life. So Jesus is taking it from this very small view of what worship is and, and what life is, and then he expands it out, and he says, look, it's not just like going to a place or doing an activity, but it's all of you. It's just not that 75 minutes on Sunday, but it's absolutely all of you, all of your life. It's just not religious. Like, There's actually not a difference between sacred and secular, right? We like to say, you know, like there's not even really a difference between church and state. That's a made up thing by, by people to be able to say, well, this is a, a God thing. And this is over here. Everything is God's right. And so here's the deal though. I mean, just like you and I, when we want to have control, what do we do? We set up boundaries, right? Cool. <laughs> but the problem is, is that you're putting up boundaries against one that is spirit right? And so anywhere where there's boundaries in life where you, you know, they say you can't do this or that, here's the thing. Well, guess what? Because worship isn't about a building or a place. Worship happens wherever I go. Worship happens every day in our schools. Worship happens every day in our workplaces. When I do a good job at my job, if I have a job at a building, if I'm an accountant or I'm an electrician or whether I'm a a police officer or a fireman, if I do a good job with that and I do it in worship of God, worship is happening in that place. There's no separation. It's not a, a secular place. No, it's a actually sacred place. And so Jesus is expanding her concept of this. And so what we see is that worshipers of God are rescuers of people because worship happens in Jesus. So worship absolutely happens through him and in him. See, the place, you guys, is Jesus. So all throughout the New Testament, you'll see this phrase. It says, in Christ, in Christ, if you are in Christ, or I'm in Christ. And so what that means is is that now he's the centering place. So what's amazing about that is, is we can always invite people to Jesus anywhere because he's everywhere. I know a lot of times the idea is, is we have to go to this place or that, but no, you just bring people to Jesus and worship happens in him. The next thing that we see in verse 27 through 38 is that Worshippers of God are rescuers of people because Jesus is a rescuer of people. So if worship happens in Jesus, okay, that's where true worship happens in spirit and truth, then we have to say, what is Jesus doing? Well, Jesus is rescuing people. That's absolutely what he's doing. So 
If we are in him, then we also are rescuers of people. Verse 27, it says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And what he told her was, is she was trying to like kind of move the issue out away from her. And Jesus says, hey, great, go get your husband. And she goes, well, I don't have a husband. And he, and, and, and he goes, you're right. And he says, and, and he lays out this whole thing of this history of her relationships and they're failed. And, and it was probably more in depth than, you know, we would think. But I mean, she, she just, she probably had children with multiple men, all these things. And that's why she was there alone. And Jesus gets right to the issue, not to judge her, but to let her know that she is seen, to let her know that God sees her. Because she was trying to put this shell out there and just kind of deal with like sacred secular, like, hey, let's just talk about issues. Let's not get too personal. And Jesus goes right for it. Like, look, God sees you. God absolutely sees you in this. And so it is with you and I. Like we love to dress it up. We love to put out the facade. We love to do that. And yet God just says like, hey, can you just bring the real you to me? I I, I know who you are. And I see you in your brokenness. You know, I mean, scripture doesn't say God rejects those that mess up too much or God rejects those that got it all wrong. No, it actually says that he's never rejected those that are humble in heart. He will never reject those that are humble in heart. And humble means like, I'm going to see myself as I am, and I'm going to see you as you are, God. And, you know, I have points in my life where, like, I um, would put out there that I was something, and I really wasn't. You know, I think in my early 20s, like, with... You know, I did some different things, graduated college and was trying to, I'm this. And, and I'd get around somebody that was really that, you know, like the real stuff. And I'm just kind of, oh, okay, I get it. Because I'd try to talk the talk, use terminology and do, oh, yeah, yeah, this. And, and then all of a sudden, you ever, you, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. You have those moments? <laughs> yeah. We'll talk later. Yeah. And yet, that's how it is with God. Like, do you know the verse? It says, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans, right? Romans 3.23. Well, what is that? You know, you can look like, well, I don't know. Okay, no, what it's saying is, is that here's the glory of God. Here's God in like his perfection, his holiness, like no error, no flaw whatsoever, perfect love. And yet he can also judge at the same time. And he's perfectly righteous, perfectly righteous with himself, perfectly righteous with other people. That's the glory of God, like his substance of who he is. We've all sinned and fallen short, short of that. And we can argue and say, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I've fallen short a little bit more than you or maybe a little bit less. Here's the thing. It, has, it doesn't matter whatsoever. It's like this. If we all flew out to San Diego and, and, and said, all right, we're all going to swim to Hawaii. How would that go? There's not one of us that would make it. Some of us would kind of get out to the breakers and be like, I'm good. 
Some of us would maybe get out to Catalina, you know, out on the coast a little bit further. Probably not. Pretty far. And so it just absolutely, there's no chance. It's not possible. And so when we come across Jesus, that's what it's like. This real person of Jesus, and you see it all throughout the Gospels, that people get around Jesus. But here's the thing, though. The religious are repelled by him. Because they're trying to say, well, I don't know. I think I'm good. I've kind of done this. But then people that get it, like show up humble, like, hey, you're amazing and you still love me and you're perfect and you still love me. That's why it's the humble heart. So we see this picture of her that she just, you know, she's had her mail read and she just shows up. You know, and, and, and it's not just a one-time thing, but it's a continuous thing. Like if we're interacting with God and living with God, it's just not that like, yep, I gave my life to him. How many times? And everybody's like, well, does that mean you lose it? No, no, no. But it's a good thing to keep doing it because I need him over and over again. Like I find out the more I walk with Jesus, the more I find out how jacked up I am, okay? Not in like this condemning way, but I'm just around him like, and I look back at my life, I'm like, wow, you really intervened in my life, God. You really saved me. You really rescued me. So in verse 27, it says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So Jesus is sustained by doing the work of God, which is the rescuing of people. You hear that? He's not just playing games like, oh, let me use this to, you know, like with your kids, like the best teaching moments are in real life. He's not doing that. He's letting them know, look, the way I really thrive and get sustenance and really live is by doing the will of my father. Like that feeds me, that sustains me. And he's showing that to them because they're like, did somebody else give him food? Like they don't get it. Now, why does God rescue people? We as people say, well, to save us from our sin, to, you know, right? That's, that's part of it. We get set free. But God rescues people so that they would worship him. We were made to worship him. If we're not worshiping him, we're worshiping somebody else or something or ourselves. And so God rescues people so that they would worship him. So Jesus says the same today. Look at, look at, look at verses 36. Uh, maybe go back there. 
even now, or before that, verse 35, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest. So he's saying to him, you know, the way you would approach rescuing people is kind of like you say like, hey, it's not harvest time yet. You know, like we look out in this field here and there, there's, you know, it's just, it's the corn from last season put down, right? When do they plant corn? End of April. Okay, so pretty soon, right? So, and then they, you know, they would say, well, hey, here's when you harvest. So Jesus is saying like, hey, you, you've got this thing of like, hey, it's still time. But look what he says. Look what he says in, in, in verse 35. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. And the sense is, is that you're not paying attention to where things are really at. And he would say the same thing to us today. Now, now look, at, look, at, um, uh, look at verse 36. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. I mean, I, I don't know what you're being, I don't know what you're being paid at your job. I don't know what you're being paid, you know, in a job you used to have if you retired, okay? But my guess is it's not as good as those wages. That, like, what you earn for your efforts is eternal life. Like, like you can put that to the bank. That you go out and your effort is something eternal, we just put in a basketball hoop at our house, and um, that's another thing I struggle with reality is, uh, is projects at home. Uh, I struggle with the reality that I'm the adult, and I get into the project because if it says it's going to take four hours, it'll take me two days. <laughs> just absolutely no joke. And so we got this hoop going. We got the thing and put it up, and, and I'm like, Perfect. And then it doesn't work. It's like an adjustable one. So I decide, well, let's take the whole backboard off while the pole's still up because it's in concrete. And so, I mean, you know, eight hours later, you know, and so it just took all this time. But I'm sitting there and it's in concrete and I'm sitting there like, is this thing going to last? And the rain came last night and I'm like, oh no, is it going you know, to stay up? And I went out this morning, I'm like, it's still there. It's absolutely still there. And we wrote our name in it. Michelle put Busick, 2019, in a big old heart. And I'm like, that's there forever. You know, at least until it falls down or whatever. <laughs> but you guys, something lasting, something lasting, right? That will last forever. That's the wages we get as rescuers of people. So Jesus says the same thing today. Harvest a crop for eternal life. Now, the next is 439 through 42. We see that worshipers of God are rescuers of people because rescuing people is the height of worship. Who would have thunk that? That rescuing people is the absolute height of worship. Verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Do you see that? Jesus approaches a woman like right where she's at. She doesn't have to dress things up. It's actually the opposite. And then Jesus meets her. She goes back and tells other people. And then many other people become believers because of it. This is, this is awesome. And yet it's not, we have to treat this like not sacred and secular too. Like, I think we approach that when we say, hey, that's cool because that's like Bible stuff. Well, Bible stuff is real life stuff. 
And so this is real life for us. Like we get to rescue people too. So it's just not coincidence that Jesus, as he's redefining worship, it's no longer the temple, the temple there, temple here. He's redefining worship in the midst of this. He's now making himself the center of worship. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only those who come through me will get to the Father or have eternal life or have the kingdom of God. He's redefining, making himself the center of worship. And then in the midst of that, he speaks about rescuing people and he redefines that too, right? You guys say, hey, you know, the harvest isn't time yet. And, but he says, open your eyes, look at it. So it is linked. And that's why in this life, rescuing people is the absolute height of worship. So if you're a worshiper of God here today, if you answered that question, like last week, the, the, the focus of the message was, is like, will you worship God? If you say, yes, I'm a worshiper of God, then it's your life. And then it means that if you truly want to experience and worship God and know his presence and know him intimately, then you will step fully into the rescuing of people the lost, the least, and the last. Because that's the height of worship, you guys. I mean, think about it. Jesus worshiped his father different than us, but in relationship and conceding to and conceding to the Holy Spirit. And he did it all while what? Rescuing people, the greatest rescue mission that ever took place. So my faith, my theology, my practice has to be in that, that that's me too. Also, too, he talked about worship in spirit, right? So worship in spirit is not caring about all the the side effects, not caring about the place, not caring about the, the temple, not caring about all the instruments of worship, but it's just spirit. I care about God's presence. That's worship, which means that worship happens anywhere. The kingdom of God come absolutely anywhere, wherever it is. The kingdom of God come. I was working, um, we were planning a church in Central California, and uh, so I was working for, um, for Apple, okay? Have you ever been inside an Apple store, and you go in there, and lots of people, all kinds of stuff going on? So I'm sitting there, and there's this young man, and he's sitting there playing on a computer, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I saw this picture, just like in my knower, and I sensed that God was sharing his heart for this young man. I'd never met him before, that... And the picture I got was that when he was five, that his mom abandoned him, just like, I'm done. And I'm like, really, Lord? You know, I've got my Apple tag on, you know, I'm thing, my shirt, and I'm like, really? And, you know, it's pretty corporate, certain structure. And, and so I said to him, I said, hey, how's it going? How's that computer? And I said, listen, I, I said, I, I could be getting this wrong, but I, I sense that I got this in, like this impression that God showed me his heart for you that, you know, that you were, um, so I, I didn't go for the whole thing because I'm like left it open, right? I should have gone for the whole, but I said that you were abandoned, you know? <laughs> and, and, and he looks at me and he's like, he's like, he's like, what are you talking about? Get away from me, you know? And I'm, but I just knew that God was just showing him something. I said, I said listen, I said, and, and it was your mom. And he just, and you were five. And he looks at me and he just sheet white. You know, and it's just like, yeah. And so anyway, so right in the midst of there, the computer praying for this kid and, um, and God touched his life and just showed him love, right? 
that's worship in spirit and truth. The truth came, which spoke into his life about who he was, about God's heart for him, how God sees him. And it was in a computer store, right? That's real life. That's spirit where it's like, it doesn't, who cares? No, this place is holy. Wherever I set my foot, that's where I go. And truth, because of his words, many more became believers. You know, Jesus probably did the same thing as the other people came. They're like, oh, do me. No, I'm not going to, I'm going to whisper at you, you know, like, you know, right? Tell me my stuff. No, no. But they all felt so comfortable around Jesus, right? It seems today that it's, as I talk to people, um, I've been spending a lot of time over the last several weeks inviting people to Easter, Right, the guys that got the grill, they got this down at, at Walmart. They got it down from the shelf with this forklift, and and down and, and and walking away, and it's got the picture of he's like, it's a good grill. So I'm like, you know what? So I had a couple of the Easter invites. I'm like, hey, you guys, have you ever had pancakes on this grill? And like, no, you know, they may be thinking I'm objecting to the thing. I said, here's your opportunity, right? It's like, thanks, man, this is cool. And so, so here's what I found, and I've been other people as well and doing things. Um, there's a gas station over here. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, listen, we're having this thing on Easter. You know, would it be cool if I set these things here, you know, for you to, um, you know, for people that come in to, to go and, and they're like, yeah, that'd be great. That's great. Here's what I found you guys. While yes, there is this mindset that church or Christians, whatever can be harsh or, or judging or the thing. Absolutely. That's out there. There's kind of that feel because people have been hurt. People in here have been our recovering Christians, huh? Right? You've been, you've been hurt by the church. So I get it. But here's what I found as I interact with the real Aborigines of, of Kansas City, Kansas, <laughs> is they are hungry for truth. They are hungry to be invited. They are hungry for the real stuff. I mean, they want it. They absolutely want it. The people you work with, the people that you're around, they want real life. And we have it in Jesus. And the height of worship is going to those people and inviting them here, inviting healing into their life, helping them if they have needs, meeting them where they're at, that's good news and they need it. And that's you. Now the threat is this, because there's been plenty of people that just like they go, like worship it, they do it, but they're just like, I don't know. Like it's just too much of a barrier. Rescuing people. That's for the pastor, that's for the professionals, or that's for the people that are outgoing. Some Some of the best rescuers of people are total introverts that I've seen in my life. They're total introverts. You know what? Because they just love. They're empathetic. They don't, even, they don't have to try that hard. They're just like, they get it. They get people. So it doesn't have to do with being an evangelist. But we can all be evangelistic, can't we? Which is good news. And so that's what Jesus is modeling here for us. Now look at verse 42. This is what it says in verse 42. 
They said to the woman, this is the people around her, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is a savior of the world. You guys, you guys, you guys. This is not only the height of worship because it pleases God more than anything else that you can bring to him, but because it's the best darn feeling that you can have on this earth is where somebody that you know that knows that you're a follower of Jesus and you've told them his greatness, now says to you, John, I don't just know because of what you told me, but now I've found out he's the savior of the world too. Nothing better in the world than that, you guys. Eternal crop. Eternal. You know what? You know, like the country song, I, well, I don't know. The context. I think that'd be bad, right? But, you know, I don't know the context, so forgive me. But it's just like, there not there one like, you know, you got to get you some, right? You know that one? Is that? Yeah. Who, who knows what it's talking about? But I just, it popped in my head. But, but it's kind of like, you know, we talk about like, hey, you know, some barbecue, I got to get me some, right? Or I, that's good, I got to get me some. You guys. <laughs> Easy. Uh, <laughs> You know, get yourself some people coming to you and saying, because you invited me to Easter, because you came over and served me when I had a bad day and made me some cookies, or because I was, I had, I, I was down on my bills and you gave me a hundred bucks to help pay for something, or because you, you loved me when I was an outcast and didn't agree with you and all these things. Because you did that, I now know that Jesus is the savior of the world. Nothing better, you guys. You will not experience any greater joy in this world. I mean, what does Jesus say? He says that the good shepherd, he says, the shepherd leaves the 99 to go get the one. It's the greatest joy, the rescuer. So what I want to ask you guys today is, will you settle the matter? Will you just settle the matter that you are a rescuer of people? That if you're a worshiper of God, you're a rescuer of people. And that looks different for each of us. And God works just intimately with each of us and how, how that works out. But will you say to him today, God, I'm in. I'm a rescuer of people. That's what it's about. When you say that to God and say, it's, it's actually real simple. It's not hard. Okay? You, in your day... And you go someplace, hey, God, would you let me love somebody in a tangible way? Would you bring somebody that I could share your good news with? Would you help me rescue somebody today? You guys, I've been praying that for close to 30 years, not every day, and sometimes for long periods and I forget. But when I do, I've never had one time that there wasn't somebody that came across, if I opened my eyes to the harvest, that somebody came through that I could love in some way. Sometimes it was leading them to Jesus. Sometimes it was just doing something kind for them. Why? Because God is doing stuff. And when we say that, we get to join him in that work. So will you settle the matter today? Now, the threat is this, is that we miss out on knowing God in a deeper way. We miss out on that height of worship here on the earth. Um, you know, there's some offices at a corporation and 
corporations and stuff. And what they do is they, they'll, uh, the people on their, their, um, their cubicles and their offices, if they know CPR, they put a red cross on the outside of the office near their nameplate. Why? Well, because if there's, an, if there's somebody that needs to be rescued, that person is the, the person to go to, right? Here's what I know. At your workplace, in your neighborhood, if people know that you're a Christian, they see that red cross on your deal. Okay? You didn't put it up, but they see it there. Okay? And they need to be rescued. And so they're watching. And they're not watching if you're perfect. They're not watching if you have one beer or two. Okay? But what they are watching is they're watching whether you will love them. Like Jesus, that's what they're watching. So here's the thing, just in closing, and we'll have the band come up and lead us in a song as we close. The kingdom of God is really the best party that's ever happened. And is happening and ever will happen. That's the kingdom of God. I mean, think of a great feast. Like you're just, you're having this great feast with, with your friends and your family and, and you're just enjoying and, 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 you know, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. But then you look and then there's another chair. And somebody else has to come enjoy this. And the food never stops flowing and the fun never stops flowing and the, and the music never stops flowing. And, and then you look and you, so you bring somebody in, hey, enjoy, and they're enjoying it. And it's even better. And then all of a sudden you look and there's another chair. That's the kingdom of God, you guys. So will you settle the matter? I am a rescuer of God. Now here's the good news. I've got something very tangible for you to get started with or to continue with, which is Easter. That's what it's about, you guys. It's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he defeated even death And we think that people know what that's about. They don't. I didn't. I remember my first Easter service. I had no idea why it was such a big deal. And as I sat there hearing about it, oh man, this has to get out. People need to hear about this. So bring somebody. Use that invite in there to get uh, an eternal crop. Invite somebody. Let's stand together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for um, the opportunity to have some fun together and laugh. And mess up and say things, all kinds of inappropriate up here and all sorts of stuff, God. And yet that's in your kingdom, God. In your kingdom, we have the richest of fare. And you want us to invite other people in. So just right in this moment, will you do business with God and, and just tell him, if that's you, you're just, you want to decide the matter. You don't want to try to push against reality anymore and, and just procrastinate and worry about it. You're just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm one of those people that's going to, you know, I'm going to look foolish for Jesus. I'm going to invite people. I'm going to love people. I'm going to do it. I'm a, I'm a rescuer of his. If that's you, then settle the matter and just just say to him, God, sign me up. 
I'm a rescuer of people. Just in your heart, just pray to him. And then just say, show me how. God, we bring you our lives. We, um, we want to try to bring all that we are, God. We, um, we miss it so much, God. Lord, would you pour out your spirit? Would you pour out your spirit on Kansas City? Would you pour out your life upon us, upon the people around us, God? God, would you see the, the person struggling today? Would you see the one that um, feels abandoned today? Would you see the one that is lost today, God? Would you see our neighbors that struggle with addiction, Lord? See our coworkers, God? Help us to see them, God. Help us to love them, God. God, we want to worship you with our time because that's what it is, God. It comes down to, look, God, we, we lay down at the altar time that we worship so much. Time for me, time for myself. We lay that down and, and we want to now switch that over to worship you. that people would come to know you. So work in us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.